back to the Rockcast, a podcast made by Rockhurst University students for Rockhurst University students and anyone who's interested in life here at Rockhurst. Today in episode two of season two, we'll talk about what goes on into choosing a major, being an undecided major, and changing majors. We'll have on two special guests, Rob Hamilton from Academic Advising and Tina Windling from Career Development. We're looking forward to hearing to all they have to say about students and how to get that academic support and how to keep your career in mind when choosing what to study. We're well over a month into the first semester and settling in. So for this week's I Wish I Knew segment, we'll talk about how to manage conflict. It's a part of college life and there are several things I wish I knew as a freshman that I could have used to keep my relationships healthy. But first, let's introduce our Rockcast members for today. Tell us who you are, where you're from, your year, major, and tell us when you were a child, what did you always want to be when you grew up? Hello, my name is Sydney Truesdale. I am a senior nursing major, um, minored in Spanish from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, when I was a kid, I kind of bounced around. I think, I think when I was in like preschool, I wanted to be like a firefighter or something like that. And then it transitioned into like a teacher. And then for the longest time, I was obsessed with, I just wanted to be a scientist. Have you ever seen the show, Sid the Science Kid? Yes. <laughs> that was who I wanted to be, I think, because I wanted to be a scientist, like whatever that really means. And so, but then as I got older, that transitioned into like, medicine and then that landed me into nursing so yeah when I was a kid I didn't really know but I guess I wanted to be a scientist. <laughs> so as many of you may know my name is Brianna Murrow um, I'm from St. Louis Missouri I'm a junior and I'm majoring in physics of medicine. Um, what I wanted to be when I was a child would probably have to be a lawyer um, maybe because like <laughs> whenever I was in a class I always had a rebuttal every every time like I never got in trouble but like my teachers used to always tell me Brown you always have something to say after <laughs> I would say that I always wanted to be a lawyer but then I also wanted to run a business so like it was kind of, kind of like the two um but now here in college um I really want to go into healthcare administration for my master's and hopefully become a hospital CEO so Luke very different from a lawyer, but you know, that's all a part of the process. Yes. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, comment, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to watch this as a Zoomcast, you can find us at youtube.com slash rockershawk. If you have any questions or topic ideas or are interested in becoming a guest or co-host, send us a DM on Instagram at Rockhurst University or contact us through rockhurst.edu. As mentioned earlier, we have Rob Hamilton, Head of Academic Advising, and Tina Winley from Career Development with us. So Rob, can you talk about your role in the university and what your department does for students? Yeah, I work in the College of Arts and Sciences as the Assistant Dean and Director of Academic Advising. And so that means I work directly with students as an advisor, but I also work with, um, we have over 40 faculty members in the college that advise students. And so most students in arts and sciences have faculty advisors. Um, <clears throat> in the other schools, um, like the business school and um, nursing and health sciences, there are professional and faculty advisors as well. So I, I work with um, those advisors um, in our um, student success area. I also work with success coaches and, and uh, folks like Tina um, to support students. Um, it's, you know, it's it's almost um, as, as much as we want to help students and, um, you know, make it convenient. And it's, it's almost never a one-stop shop. So we end up, you know, as advisors and, and other support professionals, referring students to other people as they develop a, basically a success network. So that's, you know, that's generally how I work with students um, in the Dean's office in arts and sciences. We also help students um, with various things. Um, sometimes it's filling out forms or understanding policies or, um, you know, just helping them um, navigate their way. And often that also is referrals to other offices. That's it. Like that. Tina, what is your role and what does career development do? So I'm the assistant director for the Center of Career Development, and we work with students just across the student life cycle, meaning, you know, 
from the very beginning, um, when students are first starting out, when they're exploring majors, maybe trying to determine their career path, all the way through till you know maybe their last semester, senior year, really searching for that first job opportunity um, or applying for grad school, and even beyond, we support our alumni as well. And generally speaking, we do that in, in a number of ways. Uh, primarily, it's through one-on-one -on -one student appointments. Um, but we also, we love to get in front of classrooms. So we have a lot of great faculty partners that invite us in and we do resume workshops or um, interviewing workshops or sessions on networking or, you know, whatever the case might be that really supports the students in that program. Um, we work with student clubs and organizations um, to do some programming. And then we also do, you know, campus-wide programming like the RU Career Expo and Career and Majors Week and Mock Interview Days um, and those kinds of things. Our goal is really, like Rob said, we, we really are all part of the student success team, the big picture uh, of helping students be successful here at Rockers. Um, and so we would say we really help students grow in self-knowledge um, as well as professional readiness skills so that they are prepared to launch successful careers or go on to grad school after they leave Rockers. Nice. I like how you mentioned such a wide range of what the department does. I think a lot of students don't know that. So that's really great. So before we talk more with our guests, we're going to listen to an interview done with one of our St. Luke's fellow students, Jennifer Mendoza. Jennifer has a very unique and tragic story about what she witnessed and how that helped decide what she wanted to study. I had a friend that was shot and I witnessed it and I would have wanted to help him. And I think in in my perception, if I would have known just a little bit more, um, I would have been able to save them because they they decompensated really quickly. If I would have known the basics, I would have been able to help him. With nursing, there's definitely difficult classes and there's times that you're, you feel overwhelmed. But then I think back to my story and I always push myself and say, you know, you can save someone's life in the future. So you have to continue, you can't just give up. But I also, like I will constantly rem remind myself what was the reason that I started. And anytime that I have any doubt, I always remember that. After I'm done with nursing school, I wish to become a sexual assault nurse examiner. I believe that when someone experiences a traumatic event, then they deserve someone that is caring and willing to just talk to them through it. And so that has always been something I wanted to do to leave a good imprint on them and to remind them of a horrible time could always be turned into something more beautiful. St. Luke's at Rockers has prepared me for my future by offering me classes that can help with furthering my education for becoming a state nurse. When I seen that Rockhurst offered a criminal justice minor, I was able to take that opportunity and use it for my future. Sometimes nursing needs a little bit more to either explain it to the patient or explain it to someone else. Learning from my classes in criminal justice, I will be able to explain it to them and reassure them just the process of it. Before uh, St. Luke's merged with Rockhurst, we didn't have those uh, luxuries. And now that we're together, we're offered even more opportunities that we could take advantage of. As you can see, Jennifer has an inspirational story. And if you talk with any nursing major, you'll see a heart for people that really comes out. Jennifer certainly has that. Would you agree as a nursing major, Sydney? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you ask anybody in nursing, they're gonna have a kind of a similar like story that gives them the purpose behind what they're doing. I think it's such a passion-driven field. Um, I mean, my own personal journey, like I, have an autoimmune disorder. And so growing up, I was in the hospital a lot. And I had an experience one day with a nurse who um, I was like, I, I was like 11 years old and I was homesick, missing my friends. Um, you know, my parents were 
exhausted sleeping on the couches and she came in and could tell that I was sad and she was like come on like we're gonna go for an adventure so she took me on like a, a walk through the hospital and we went out to this garden and I'm sure it was the most like basic garden ever but in my mind it's like the coolest place and it was like a lot of fun and I have really never forgotten that experience um and so when I was kind of thinking on what I want to do with my life, I thought back to, you know, the impact that one person was able to have on my life um, and how that's something that I want to do for somebody else someday. Um, and nursing was kind of the perfect encapsulation of my love for science and anatomy. I just find it so fascinating and really interesting. Um, and so it kind of combines my love for science and my love for people and it's just kind of the perfect marriage of the two. And so I think, yeah, I think you could say most people who go into a healthcare field can have similar stories. Absolutely. Like, I really love that. And like, even like based off the video and everything that you just said, like, kind of like I said earlier, like the heart just really comes out and then like you can see and you can feel the passion in those students. Like that's something that like not everyone has. So when you see students with that passion that's pushing towards that goal, it's really inspiring. I really like that. Bree, why did you choose your major? Why did I choose my major? Um, so originally, um, I chose physics and medicine because I really liked the medical field. However, I didn't want to necessarily a practice. Um, and so originally, I wanted to go into prosthetics, um, more so on the creation side. Um, and, but then I realized that that wasn't truly me. Um, and so then I started exploring minors. And so, I mean, I have actually a few minors and one of those minors is business administration. And I really love business, but I didn't want to switch from science to business my junior year. Um, but then I figured like there's definitely a way to mesh it to. So I remember I was looking on Google and I was like, business and healthcare. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and I looked at jobs and I saw healthcare administration. And then when I read it, the program outline and what it entailed I absolutely loved it I absolutely loved it um, and it was more it was me it was very much me and so with healthcare administration um, you can go into many different facets in regard to jobs but my one day I really want to be a hospital CEO and the reason because of that I've noticed that in the healthcare field um, minorities don't feel as comfortable in the healthcare medical field um, whether it's based off previous studies or things that have happened within their families. And so my goal is to have, be able to create a hospital where like anyone in the BIPOC community can know that they feel safe and know that they will feel deserved um, and be able to have those resources for them and not feel like they won't be able to have that equitable treatment. And so I wanna kind of start from the foundation level even when it comes to staff. So yes, I want you to have the medical background but then also diversity, equity, and inclusion training. So just making sure that that staff is all on the same page when, in regards to that. Um, that's like my main goal and my main reason for why I want to become a hospital CEO one day. I love that, Brie. Yes, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I love hearing these stories of, you know, the passion that's driving you, you all to towards you know and, and Jennifer's story as well driving driving you all towards uh, your majors and careers um, and you know that's that that's the piece I think that everybody's kind of looking for is that you know to try to find that um, my 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 story is not nearly as as dramatic but um, <laughs> but I but I felt called right and uh, felt called to go into my major which is communication studies. And, um, and once I kind of found a home with that, it was, it really resonated with me and I, I was able to bring a lot of passion to my studies and ultimately my career. So I, I really love hearing those stories. I, I, the more of those stories I hear from students that kind of find that passion or have those powerful experiences that lead them to majors and careers, I, I just, I just love it. It's encouraging. I would agree. And I love actually in Bree's story, just a couple of things that you said. I, I love the adding the different minors. And I think sometimes students maybe don't think like, oh, that's another option, right? Um, and I also love that you just said, you know, so I went to Google and I just started searching <laughs> because a lot of times that, a lot of times that is where I start with students. I'm like, okay, let's just start at a very basic, you know, let's just do a little research here. So um, I think that's awesome too. 
And I would concur. I, I was a, an English major um, and a teacher and certainly felt very called um, to that. But it took me, but it took me a while to find that and, and to kind of settle into that and embrace that that really was who I was and what I was called to be and do. Um, and even though I don't teach English anymore, um, I still get to work with students. I'm still in education. And so, um, you know, once you choose something, obviously it doesn't mean that that's what you have to do for the next 40 or 50 years of your life. You know, everybody's careers change and ebb and flow and take different turns. Um, but having that sort of whatever your passion is or your calling is at your core, I think is kind of like your compass and kind of guides you. Absolutely. Yeah, going back to the, oh, sorry, Bree. No, I was just saying, I was just agreeing. I said, absolutely. <laughs> Um, going back to the to the minors, I actually have a Spanish minor, um, which I was going to double major, but I ran out of time. And so I also I think it's really interesting because I didn't really know that you could meet like minor in like, I, I, I didn't really know anything about Spanish, really. It wasn't my intention to go into it. And then um, when I was signing up for my classes, um, Professor Duncan was like, um, heard that I took Spanish in high school and she was like, oh, she was like, you should take it to college. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And then I got signed up for it. And then I went and then I loved it. And I was like, I kind of want to major. And then just, you know, the way that my classes worked out, I didn't have time, but I minored in it. And I actually, we ended up taking a medical Spanish class. And it was so cool because it was the combination of both Spanish, which I really liked and um, medicine, which I had never considered could go together before. And, um, you know, going back to what Brie was saying about um, uh, minority populations in healthcare, we talked a lot about that in our class, especially like the Latinx community and how um, the two can go together. And I think it's a really, it ended up being a really important class for me to learn and uh, grow from and to use like in my career going forward. Um, and I just had never considered it before. And with the St. Luke's program, I think they're still gonna have that class and it's gonna be even cooler now. I think they're gonna get like a sim lab and they're gonna have like real patients that you can interact with. And I'm kind of jealous. I wanna like retake it and like do it again in the new space. But um, yeah, it was a really good experience and it was something I had never considered before. That is so cool. Like, I know you kind of mentioned how you thought you did Spanish in mm -hmm. high school. And I know like for me in high school, like I was a part of this club called FBLA, which is like Future Business Leaders of America. Um, and so like, I've always loved just the business and like being a leader. And so when I came in my freshman year, I remember, I can't even remember who gave the presentation, but it was about the leadership minor. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> and it's not that much requirement. Um, and so what I like, but I really like to encourage people when it comes to minors, like, when you're able to be versatile in your craft, like it just makes you that much marketable um, and it makes you stand out from the rest. Um, so right now, like I have a leadership minor because of the fact that I want to be a hospital CEO one day, but then I also have the business. So like the business part of the healthcare field, especially within the hospitals and my friends think I'm crazy, but I have another minor, but that's <laughs> I take summer classes. So that's why I have time. I take summer classes. <laughs> Um, and I'm in bioethics and I absolutely love the bioethics minor because you're able to see like how morality and ethics play in the medical field and it just feels so timely so I'm in a seminar of medical ethics class at night it's at night that's the only thing but it's really enriching so I like the medical Spanish like that sounds really cool I don't I'm not good with foreign languages but that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah it was it's really cool <laughs> But both of you are great examples of just pursuing the things that interest you and not being so bogged down with, oh, but what job can I get with this? Or, you know, that's where a lot of students sometimes get stuck is they think there's a, they've got to pick one major that's going to lead to one job. Um, and that is not true. And so both of you are great examples of just pursuing the things that interest you. Um, be, and to Bree's point, you're right. It makes you more well-rounded. Um, it, it's going to make you stand out um, in a job search as a candidate because you bring all these different uh, sort of aspects and have these different skills. So it's awesome. So like, what do you all believe are like the keys to like career development early in college? 
You know, from my perspective, I, I do have a lot of students um, early on that, that are struggling uh, to decide on a major. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, sometimes students have so many interests that they struggle to narrow things down. Um, sometimes they lack the knowledge or the context. You know, they, they don't really even know what all the options are. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of a fear of committing because students sometimes have that mindset of like, I have to choose this one thing and this is what I'm going to be doing. And this is my one path forever, um, which I, like I said, is not necessarily true. Um, but so I think, you know, career development early really starts with that, just that exploration, um, and just having an open mind and being willing to dive in and do some research, um, and really look at, you know, what, what kinds of things are out there um, and doing a lot of self-exploration as well, that just reflection and discernment, you know, what brings me joy? Um, what, what are my natural gifts and talents? How can I impact the world? You know, how, how can I leave it better than I found it? Um, and so I think that's really where it starts. Um, and what we try to help students not get too bogged down in like the whole choosing a major piece, right? It's, it's more about growing in that self-knowledge and self-awareness and research and, and any one major can lead to any number of careers, right? And multiple majors might lead to similar careers. So um, we really try to encourage students to do what both of you have done, I think, is to really step back and dream big and, you know, really just try to think about all the possibilities and realize that what you decide at 18, 19, 20, 22, you know, might change in three to five to 10 to 15 years, you know, and so just being open to that. Um, and then really utilizing all the resources at your disposal, not just our office and what we offer, but I always encourage students, you know, to, to talk to faculty. I mean, get to know their professors, meet with their academic advisors, get involved in student clubs and orgs, and all of that is so important. Yeah, and this, it's, the conversation is really pointing us to um, what I feel is, is, is very Jesuit, right, and, and very Rockhurst in, mm -hmm. in that, you know, as Tina talks about reflection and self-discovery, um, you know, that's, I think that's at the heart of um, how leaders are formed, um, because they get in tune with their unique gifts and talents, and as we were even talking about minors and double majors, I, I think it's that that foundation of the study of the liberal arts that that really provides the foundation for some of that exploration and self discovery, and and really finding things that um, um, Brie, like you said, are enriching, right? Those experiences, and and so our conversation again is just kind of pointing me to this idea that that really. Um, what, what makes, um, and I think students should think about, you know, what makes their Rockhurst experience unique? And um, all of these things are kind of coming together to point to that. So as many of you may know, not everyone comes into Rockhurst or any college knowing what they will want to do. So I know a lot of students who are undecided, but are getting more classes finished while they decide. So for our guests, what do you believe is the percentage of students who come in undecided? This freshman class of 2021, um, it was just under 20% that are still deciding or exploring majors. And I, and I think that's, that's relatively consistent, um, you know, that it would be maybe between 15 and 20%. Now, those are students who indicate they're still deciding. You know, there may be people who have indicated a particular major, but really are still exploring. And, and I think, and I, I don't have statistics on this, but, you know, uh, generally there will be students who change their majors, right, even if they're declared already. So, yeah, that's, I definitely agree. Like, what are the biggest stressors for those that are considered undecided? I'm really glad you asked that question, right, because I've thought about this a lot in working with students over 20 years, you know, trying to address how do I figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, right, like as Tina pointed out, that's usually the first thing is it's not necessarily that you're going to decide what you do for the rest of your life. Um, one thing I think happens is um, people get really future focused, right? And try to predict the future. What am I going to be happy doing again, kind of for the rest of my life and in the future? And I think about 
decision-making like this can be kind of stressful, right? I, I think about, um, let's say people who uh, do, uh, trying to predict the future as their careers, stockbrokers, farmers, uh, investors, and how do they do it, right? Do they just do it kind of based on a hunch? Um, I, I imagine they wouldn't last long in their careers if, if that were the case. I think um, it's about data that they use. They, they look at you know, trends and, and um, use data to make decisions. And so one of the first things I, I tell students to do if they're really in a quandary about what am I gonna do is instead of being future focused, turn around and look back and see what kind of um, what kind of experiences you've had, what kind of signposts have there been to say that you, you've already probably been on a path that's sort of pointing you in a particular direction. There's been things that you've been successful at. You've gotten feedback from others. Um, you feel, um, you know, in the zone when you're doing certain things, right? And all of those, I think, are indicators to help kind of, you know, point people in a certain direction. Now, Jennifer's story earlier, some people have very powerful experiences that, that drive them, um, but, but there are many who, who haven't had those kind of experiences. And, and so I think that, again, uh, like, like Tina pointed out earlier, the, that reflection and discernment, you know, turn around and look back um, instead of trying to predict the future. Um, and then, you know, additionally, they're, they're, like Tina pointed out as well, it's the unknown. Right. I, I don't know what's out there for me, you know, so there there needs to be this like active exploration through taking classes, um, meeting people like, you know, faculty in certain departments who you may learn more about what what majors are going out and doing after they graduate and those sort of things. Um, so, yeah, I, I could I could probably go on and on because, again, uh, 20 years of working with students and, and trying to help them. Um, you know, really the way you asked a question, the stressors of it, right? Like, how do you take some of that stress away and how do you um, take some of the guesswork out of it? And those are some of the strategies that I've come up with. And I would completely agree with that. So well said, Rob. And I would just also add to that, you know, I, I don't understand why, but there seems to be sometimes kind of a negative stigma around being undeclared, you know, um, and in our office, we always say, um, you're still deciding, you know, you're not undecided, you're, you're just still deciding, it's, it's a process. Um, and I always tell students to, you know, claim that loud and proud, you know, that you're, you're exploring and there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't know where that negative stigma comes from or, you know, it's so that probably is a stress for some students as they feel maybe some of that, or also just some pressure when you look around and you feel like everybody else knows and you don't. So I, a lot of times I think students just feel almost peer pressure in a way, you know, that all my friends have it figured out and I don't, or they think that all their friends have it figured out. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, for students to know that most people, even if they've declared a major, they're still figuring it out, right? It, it's a it's a progress and a process we all go through. Absolutely. And I feel like you completely read my mind. He <laughs> said stigma. I'm like, she's reading my mind. Because I remember I had a conversation with a first year student. Um, and usually it's always, what's your name? Where are you from? What's your major? Like the second you meet someone on campus, those are pretty much like the main three questions. So they told me their name, um, where they're from. And I said, oh, okay, what, what are you majoring in? And they were like, oh. and like all this, like their whole demeanor just completely changed. And they felt so like shy and almost like embarrassed by it. So at first I was like, you know, what happened? Like we had very high energy. And the second that conversation came up, it was very much like, mm, like I don't know. And they were like, I'm undecided. But it was like, so like, felt like defeated almost you know and I was pretty much like well you definitely have time like if anything else you're in a position where you can explore so many different options and you don't have to have everything figured out and I said plus this is like the second week of school anyways so you're <laughs> like it's gonna be good so I definitely agree that like I really wish there wasn't a negative stigma surrounding people who are undecided yeah um I also just want to say that I know I talked about how much I wanted to be a nursing major, um, but I also like, I knew that I wanted to do something in medicine because that was the thing that gave me the most passion. But I mean, I was still deciding up until like my senior year of high school, whether or not like nursing itself was like the best fit for me. And so 
even like in in school like we had a conversation earlier like I don't there's so many things you can do with my nursing major and so like even within I might I might have told myself like nursing is the thing for me but with my major there's like a million things you can do and so like in that way like I'm still I'm still undecided in um what I'm going to do with my career like after this and like I'm going to get my degree and then I got to figure out like what to do with my life and I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of like I don't know what I'm going to do and so even like even within people who have their majors like that feeling of not knowing and not being fully decided and comfortable yet is like totally normal I think even until like this semester I kind of was like freaking out about what I want to do and I finally got to a place where I'm like you know, I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to like figure it out. But like for some people that that doesn't come until like their senior year and that's totally fine. And Sydney, for some people, it doesn't come until after after they are right. the world working. And, you know, because there's to some extent you, you, you don't know what you don't know until you get there and then you figure it out, you know. Okay. So it, and again, we all our career paths are windy roads. So you know, if, if we all got back together 15 years from now and had the same conversation, you know, we might have completely different, be in completely different places. Yeah, absolutely. Denny, yeah, I like that you said that. I think I, I, I was going to add this in. I kind of, as I was thinking about the conversation today um, about meditating on it, right? Because again, we get so, you know, kind of focused and out lit, trying to live in the future and that mindfulness of kind of being in like the way you described it is great. Like I'm doing what I can right now and I'll, I'll figure it out. And, and so um, I, I think that's another good strategy with, with some of this stress is to, you know, not only reflect and discern, but, but to take some time to just kind of med meditate and, and be mindful about it. Um, I think that's important. And I'm, I'm reminded of um, Dr. Elbert Darden and Dr. Rachel Pierce in the counseling center who came to my freshman seminar class and, gave a presentation about that. So, you know, and it was so helpful, I think, to my students um, because there can be so much when we're trying to kind of live in the future, like I said, and predict the future that's unsettling to us if we haven't got it all figured out. And so one of those strategies to help with that is, is, is mindfulness and meditation can help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when decisions from majors have to be made? Because I actually don't know the answer to that question. I was kind of thinking about it earlier. Is there like a hard deadline for when that decision has to be made? I start uh, getting after people if they've reached junior standing and haven't declared yet. We want to make sure that, you know, because you're getting close enough to graduation that, you know, you've got to have a plan for, for the last couple of years. And the, the longer um, you go, the further you go along without having declared a major, the, the, the trickier it can be to complete all your degree requirements in a short amount of time. So, you know, I, I, um, I like the idea of students not having to declare necessarily right away. Um, although we have some majors, um, nursing would be an example. It's such a structured um, four-year curriculum um, like nursing and engineering, um, biochemistry. We have some programs that you really have to start tracking with requirements from the beginning. Um, but, you know, I think probably um, the, the best thing is that students are active and trying to figure it out, particularly if they're still deciding so that they can make a decision and declare, hopefully, um, no later than their second year. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So yeah, so while some students are undecided, there's a lot of others who change their minds and switch their majors. So has anyone changed their major or do you know someone who has changed their major? I changed <laughs> my major. <laughs> How many yeah. times? Well, I, you know, I started out pretty set on being a psych major because I knew that I wanted to like help people. And I thought counseling was something I'd be interested in. And, and, you know, as I was learning about myself and um, what, what that career meant, I didn't feel like it was a good fit. And so I was, I kind of I kind of wandered <laughs> for a little while trying to figure it out before I landed on communication. So it was really basically just one change, but there was a period that was sort of open ended. I laughed because I immediately thought of my uh, one of my roommates. She has changed her major like five or six times. So 
shout out to Bridget. Hey girl. Um, I, she's literally gone. I'm, so, I'm going to get the order wrong, but PT, pharmacy, nursing, back to PT, then to exercise science. And then now I think she's going to graduate with an exercise science degree, but then she's going to go to nursing school um, next year at research college through the accelerated program. So she has had quite a ride trying to figure out what she wants to do. Um, but I actually think changing her major is like very common. Um, even my sister, she was in the business school and she went, you know, she bounced around from like business administration to communications to advertising. So I feel like it's really common, but I don't know. What do you think, Brie? Yeah, I would say that it's pretty common. Um, I kind of laughed because I'm thinking about my mom and originally she wanted to be a storm chaser, like a storm <laughs> people on TV. <laughs> and I was like, that's, it doesn't even match her personality. Maybe it's because she, I have no idea. So like her classes was geared towards that or meteorology. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what? And now she's a guest counselor. So like completely different. <laughs> I just started laughing because like, sometimes people change within like, maybe like the healthcare field. Or some people just go completely, just completely 180 into something completely different. So I do believe that it is pretty common. Um, and just having that flexibility. I know I have some family members who have a law degree, but they do something that's not even law. So like, it really just kind of like depends on the person that the path that they take. But absolutely. How common do you all if you think about when students, you know, when you just come in, if, if you are just coming out of high school, you're 18, you know, what you think you might want to do certainly can change, right? And you start taking classes and you start going, oh, wait a minute, like, I don't like that as much as I thought I did. Or you're like, oh, OT, I didn't even know that was a thing. Let, you know, let me explore that. So, yeah, I think it's statistically very common for students to change majors. And a lot of research that would say that, um, that that doesn't necessarily hinder, you know, graduation rates or, or completion time, so. I, I think it can be tough, almost tougher to change from a major that you've been committed to, right? If you get in and discover. So there's a lot of students I, I worked with over the years who came in, you know, really decided on something and they get a year in or maybe even a month in and go, wait, I don't know if this is for me. And that can be a really difficult transition, um, it, particularly if, if that's something you, you know, when it, people ask you the question, what are you gonna do? And, and that's what you've been telling people for a couple of years. And now all of a sudden you're faced with this idea of, wow, I've been planning on this and now, I've, now I'm not sure if it's right for me. And I think that's where, um, you know, I think that's where like the support and, you know, advisors and, and career development staff and success coaches at Rockers can really help out um, because it's it, it can be stressful, right? Not just if you're undecided, but if you're changing a major, I think that can be a tricky one too. And it has a lot to do with how you see yourself. You know, if you've always seen yourself as a nurse or I've always seen myself as a teacher and then making, you know, coming to that realization, yeah, sometimes there's some pain and loss involved with that for students. Mm. So then what does that process look like for when someone wants to change that major? Like, how do they go about that? Well, hopefully, again, I always encourage active strategies, right? So, you know, to, to reflect on it, to go and talk to an academic advisor, to go talk to, you know, career development counselor, to, you know, to, to um, you know, start to sort through what are the reasons that you're feeling this major isn't for you? What were the things that were driving you towards that major in the first place? So I'll give you an example of something um, often, you know, a lot of students think nursing is for them and discover early on that it's not. And, and you know, um, when we get at the heart of it, just like I mentioned earlier for myself, I, I, the, one of the first things I hear is, oh, I want to help people. So I go, well, okay, that, that's good because nursing is not the only career or major or career you can choose and still help people. So let's start to look at what other majors and careers are available. So, um, you know, I always point students to the Rockers catalog. Here's your list of options. <laughs> you need to know what those choices are and you can even read more about them. And then again, talking to people. Um, changing, like technically there's an online form to change your major. So students can go online and fill out the form and change their majors. Um, and that, that happens um, pretty, pretty quickly and, and, and painlessly. 
Um, but again, the process of like, how, how do you go about it? I would encourage students to start with their academic advisors. Thank you so much for your insight, Rob and Tina. And I thank you so much for joining us on today. I know I learned a lot <laughs> that I did not know previous to this meeting. So I really appreciate you all for coming. And how can we find out more information about the academic advising or even career development? So I remember hearing of something about a career development expo or something? Yeah. So. Career <laughs> Majors Week. Yes, thank yeah. you for that segue. Yes, Career mm -hmm. Majors Week. So this is really timely. Um, so just generally speaking, um, you know, students can, we're in Mass 3, um, so students are, you know, can certainly just kind of come on in. Um, we do, I really do encourage appointments just because our, our calendars fill up. We have a lot of student appointments. Um, so you can go on the Rockers website and search for career and find our landing page there. Our bookings links are there. Um, students can just email careerdevelopment at rockhurst.edu. That's kind of our general email address. Um, or they can email me or Mike Theobald and you can find all that um, on our website. But coming up um, the very first week of October, um, October 4th through the 8th is Career and Majors Week. And that is really a joint effort between um, the entire student success team. Um, so we are a part of that as well as our success coaches and our advisors. Um, and we're actually partnering with the alumni office as well for, for an event that week. So we have something happening every day that week um, I've sent a couple emails out. I'll keep sending emails to students. You can um, find that information on social media as well. But one of the things um, all week in Arupe lobby, we'll have a display and it's called Major Decisions. And it's reflections written by current students and alumni sharing their stories about why they chose the majors that they did. Um, and so I would encourage students, especially if they are exploring and maybe still deciding to read those stories, you know, see what other students are, are saying and why they chose what they did and, and how, like in Bree's case, you know, how they maybe combine some interesting majors and minors together. Um, so I would encourage everyone to just put that on your radar. Um, also that week on Wednesday, there'll be a majors fair. So that is the perfect event for students who either have not declared a major um, and wanna talk to faculty and get information from different departments, um, meet with advisors, success coaches will be there, um, other campus resources. It's also a great event for students maybe that have chosen a major, but maybe still aren't quite sure what that career path might look like or who might be interested now after hearing this conversation and how they might add a minor or even a double major to kind of round out um, their experience. So lots of good things coming. So keep an eye on your Rockers email um, and follow us on social media. Uh, we're at Are You Career Ready? And the major sphere might actually be the closest thing to a one-stop shop, right? <laughs> With all Absolutely. those folks there. I mean, there'll be faculty and academic departments and like you said, others. So that's Absolutely. great. Um, for, for advising, um, there's an advising webpage um, that, that includes the directors of advising contact information in the different schools, as well as our professional advisors. Um, so students looking to get connected with somebody can go to the advising webpage. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you for having us. This has been a lot of fun. This is my first podcast. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it's been great yeah I'm, i want to do it again thanks for having us absolutely yes yeah. so like if we ever have anything surrounding this topic or you guys just want to come back again like definitely let us know um cool. we can get you on the schedule again <laughs> cool thanks so as many of you may know each episode we have a segment that we call i wish i knew where if we could talk to our freshman selves or our younger selves we give them a heads up on a few things so this week's topic is how to manage conflict. So conflict is a part of every relationship. So what do you know now that you didn't know when you were a freshman or when you're just starting out in your career and how to get along with those other people? So conflict is a part of every relationship. So Sydney, how do you manage conflict and what is something that you wish you knew when you were younger? Yeah, so I think it's something that I've gotten a lot better at as I've gotten older um, and more mature. 
whether it's like fights with my siblings or just, you know, learning how to work with people now that I'm older and we do a lot of like group projects and group work and um, just finding out how to, how, how my personality works with other personalities. And um, I think a lot of my approach to conflict has to do with like understanding myself and um, realizing that, you know, if I'm hangry, that's why I was like snapping at them or like when I'm tired, I, I'm not as patient or like, you know, whatever it may be, that's giving me a reason to why I am, you know, snapping off or as to, or, you know, flipping that around. Um, I've grown a lot in patience um, as I've gotten older and um, empathy and understanding that, you know, people have different experiences and different approaches to life. And so they bring that to, to their conflict and bringing all their baggage and, you know, like they might be hangry, they might be tired and that might be why they're acting out with me. And just understanding that a lot of the times when someone's angry with you, you know, it has a lot to do more with them and how they're feeling rather than you and kind of just calming down the situation. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to like get defensive and then get heated and then, you know, nothing gets resolved, but just kind of taking a step back and um, calming down the situation and then getting to the heart of the issue and really talking it out. I, um, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when conflict goes like unresolved. I just, I just would rather like talk it out and fi like figure it out because you know, otherwise you can't get over it. And so I, I'm very much a fan of just talking it out and having an honest conversation and realizing that sometimes I'm going to be wrong and sometimes I might not be wrong, but um, finding the middle ground is important. What do you think, Brie? I definitely agree. Like <laughs> as an RA, it's all about conflict resolution <laughs> management. Um, yeah, I've been in some very different situations in regards to like RA experience. But I would say for me personally, like I'm the type of person where I just like to get it out in the open mm -hmm. possible. Now, sometimes I do have to collect myself and like really think about what I'm going to say. Sometimes I write down what I'm going to say just so that I can remember I get every single bullet point. Um, but yes, I feel like that just makes it so much easier than making it um, linger on. Because usually like when people get to that heated point, it's based on something that happened a long time ago. Mm -hmm vice versa um so definitely that and then like kind of like you said like realizing that like people are going through different things and so like you never know like what true emotions behind that anger I don't know if this was like an article or just simply like an Instagram post but <laughs> it was something like lines of like usually when people lash out in like in anger that's usually um in front of a, like a different emotion whether it's fear whether it's um or whatever the case may be um sometimes that anger is just kind of like what's in the forefront um so yeah those are kind of like the few ways how I like manage my conflict like, absolutely I really wish I knew early on that like maybe that's not how <laughs> right <laughs> like, ourselves first and then come back to it um definitely especially in college <laughs> yeah I mean in college you meet so many different like types of people and are exposed to so many different types of situations. And for some people, um, you know, I had a friend who was an only sibling and she didn't have very much experience with conflict resolution. And so um, versus like me, I have three other siblings. And so, you know, my whole childhood was like conflict resolution. And so um, I think recognizing that people come from different backgrounds and experiences um, and just having the patience to recognize that, you know, I might be able to step back and say like, you know, it's the situation. It's like, she's, you know, like it separating their emotions from like what they're actually trying to say. And that I might be able to do that, but some people might not be able to do that. And so just having patience in those conversations. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. And I'm the only child. And so like, sometimes when I hear about like my friends or like their siblings arguing or they having a disagreement, I guess I look at it more logically. I'm like, okay, so don't you just do this? And she does this. Well, you don't understand because you don't have a sibling. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I guess like that's sometimes kind of cool when you don't have that experience because you're able mm -hmm. to get it from a different lens. But definitely. So like for you, like in college, like what has worked 
in regards to like managing conflict or what hasn't worked? In college, I think what hasn't worked for me is not saying something about something that makes me uncomfortable. Like if I, I think I only, you know, end up regretting it or it ends up festering and then I get angry at like other like littler things and it starts to like build up like what you were saying earlier. And then it kind of all just spills over. So I think what I have learned is that, you know, I need to be an advocate for myself. And if there's something that I'm not comfortable with, I just need to, you know, stick up for myself and talk about it. Um, but what has worked for me is sometimes it's not necessary, but also what you were saying is, um, you know, sometimes if it's like a bigger issue, um, you know, sleeping on it or like thinking on it. Um, I also tend to, you know, when something like really like triggers me in the moment, like get heated. And then I'm like, oh, that's so frustrating. And I just want to tell that person, you know, like, why did you do that? You know, blah, 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 blah. And I find that a lot of times if I like, you know, give it some space and just let it sit for a minute. Um, and then the next, the next day I, I deal with it, then I can come at it with a more like logical and respectful lens rather than if I was just angrily like sending a text or, you know, popping off at somebody. So giving, giving myself the time to process has been very helpful. What do you think, Bree? What's worked for you? I would say that I've noticed that from like my freshman year to now, I've probably had more disagreements my freshman year than now. And I think it's because mm -hmm. into a new space, a new environment. Like you were used to your high school, you were used to your home life. And so like when you come in into college, like there's all these different like backgrounds, traditions or how people go about different things. And so it's so easy to like disagree with people because you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why do you think that way? <laughs> yeah. When you learn like their background or their culture, whatever the case may be, it allows you to gain that perspective. Um, so I feel like that has something that's been very successful in managing conflict, like knowing that background and knowing where they're coming from. Then it allows for an easier conversation. Um, but as far as what hasn't worked, I would say just sitting on it like that hasn't worked for me, like definitely process. But then I was like, I can't process for like more than two days, maybe like I need try my best to get ahead of it um so yeah but I really enjoy talking to you about that I know like um, a lot of students here on campus can have those different issues whether it's like a roommate or whatever the case may be so I'm kind of glad that we talked about that this week but for Rocker students out there if you find yourself needing some help resolving conflict definitely visit the counseling center Dr. Pierce and Dr. Darden are great resources so definitely utilize the counseling center if you have any conflict so that's it, folks, for this week for the Rockcast. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to tell your friends at Rockhurst about it, please. <laughs> you can find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. To watch the discussion, you can go to Rockhurst's YouTube page at youtube.com slash Talk. So for Sydney and our guest, Rob Hamilton and Tina Windling, this is Brianna Murrow, and definitely tune in next time.